0: Today's podcast is brought to you by Sticker Load. They are a company that provides a variety of sticker packs that would appeal to whatever you're into. They have given a promo code I would like to share with you guys. If you head over to stickerload.co, you can enter the code, all caps, LSWH10, to receive 10% off your order. And today, I'd like to do a giveaway. If you tag five friends on our Instagram page, your name will be included in a drawing to receive a free sticker pack. This is Let's See What Happens, a free-form discussion to talk about anything and everything. If you don't want to be offended, don't listen. If you do want to be offended, there's a good chance you will be. I hope you like this one. Let's see what happens. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, thanks for uh, agreeing to do this with me, Craig. I really appreciate it. I apologize for any uh, technical difficulties. I'm, my wife is usually the uh, kind of producer of this stuff, so it's only my second time doing, uh, doing this through Zoom. So uh, okay. I uh, apologize if anything gets screwed up. But uh, uh, if you don't mind, if uh, you go ahead and just introduce yourself, and uh, I don't want to screw up your last name. I know I'll probably say it wrong. Yeah. So uh, just introduce yourself and tell us uh, who you are, where you're from and uh, how you got into law enforcement, if you don't mind.
1: Sure, my name is Craig Hanaumi. I work for the Bellevue Police Department, 15 years in Bellevue PD, three years with Honolulu PD before that. And i born and raised on Oahu and moved up to Washington in 2006,
0: 2007. Okay, wow. So what made you move from Honolulu to Washington?
1: Uh, Well, cost of living, on in the islands is really high.
0: Yeah.
1: Pay and training uh, opportunities. I'd say for most professions, a little bit less pay overall for everything. Um, you combine that with cost of living. It's a lot. Oh, I'm sure. I mean, my ex at the time wanted to move to the mainland too. So couldn't say no. And <laughs> it worked out, worked out for the best. All right. Uh, a lot of people leave, a lot of people relocate born and raised on the islands from, from Hawaii to someplace the West Coast has a lot of
2: Yeah,
1: island transplants for for the same reason. I mean, this is Yeah, can do the same same work for more money I oh, mean yeah. and, and the cost of living is is less in, in a lot of places
0: I gotcha. So was it hard giving up uh, the beautiful Hawaii to go to Washington or I mean, was that a, a big drawback or was that something you were kind of like, oh, okay, I'm nice, ready for a change of pace?
1: <laughs> well, I, I wasn't really, I, it was sight unseen move for me, so I didn't, I didn't have any context. I knew it was obviously going to be colder,
2: yeah. not
1: as uh, sunny. Um, being, being born and raised, we take for granted the the nice weather. Oh, um, yeah. The 300 d- days of the year that is 70 something plus and sunny It's definitely uh yeah. Makes you appreciate it more when you don't have it all the time.
0: Oh, for sure. I uh, I originally, I'm from Indiana originally, and then we moved to Florida. So I very much appreciate the warm weather. <laughs> I hear a lot of people bitching and griping about the, the heat, and I'm like, yeah, but it's better than the cold. Like, that cold <laughs> that cold is miserable. So was it hard to, I I would imagine you surfed. You skate, you must have surfed. Was it hard giving up surfing?
1: Actually, I didn't. There was no surfing for me. Um, no, It's really. kind of. Depending on where you grew up, I mean, access to the ocean, where I, where I was, I mean, it would be at least a 30-minute bus ride.
2: Oh, okay.
1: And, and as I got, you know, one of my parents drove me, um, we go, go to the beach, but that plus the cost of surfboards is kind of a lot. Oh, like okay. several hundred dollars. Right? And neither of my parents surfed, so mm-hmm. um, they taught me how to swim and skateboarding was my surfing pretty much so okay I, I, all
0: right see i'm just a stupid mainlander i just assumed everyone in hawaii surfed so
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, no so <laughs> a lot of people in hawaii don't even swim wow really um, that's crazy yeah just just not i mean i i yeah growing up um i think that was a skill that my parents kind of it wasn't a negotiable one but uh yeah yeah i mean you can you can grow up <laughs> oh yeah born I know. And raised
2: i know a bunch on of people who
1: and, and never yeah. never learned how to swim which is surprising because i mean the proximity of the ocean is right there but um right you know there's a lot of people whose lifestyle doesn't include going to the i mean you could go to the beach but not go into the ocean you know yeah. and uh, or if you go into the ocean it's not in a it's in an enclosed kind of reef situation so you don't have to go out into the open water
0: right oh and, yeah there's uh, plenty um, of people here in florida that don't know how to swim yeah.
1: it's just it's just because it's accessible doesn't mean we're gonna all learn how to do it
0: you know? <laughs> right I gotcha. That makes sense. Well, um, I appreciate, uh, the fact that, uh, you're, you're always, I obviously I found you on Instagram and, uh, extremely anyone that, uh, hasn't checked out Craig on Instagram, you should right away. Cause, uh, it's very motivational. Uh, I very much appreciate other law enforcement officers that are trying to get themselves better. And, uh, just, I, I had a uh, I did a podcast not too long ago with, uh, Adam Hadari from Effective Fitness, and uh, we had a really good talk about you know training and all that stuff. And he does jujitsu, and you do jiu-jitsu I do jujitsu, and uh, obviously, you can. If you're a jujitsu guy, you can find a way to work it into almost any conversation. And uh, I noticed, <laughs> I noticed that uh, you posted that video the other day where you were wearing all your stuff and you had your gi under your uh, your uniform and everything. I was cracking up laughing because uh, I don't think people. Again, kind of like you said, they take for granted the weather stuff. People that down here in Florida, definitely the ghee is a very, it's so hot and people are like miserable in it when we're training during the summer because it's so ungodly hot. Plus the gi is kind of miserable anyways, even when it's not that hot that sure. you kind of take for granted that it's like, uh, that's originally what it started as guys were, you know, in Japan were wearing gis too. It was a warmth thing. Also, it wasn't just for training jujitsu and stuff but uh yeah i just i wanted to tell you i appreciate that video the other day because i was cracking up laughing with the uh i think
1: some people some people probably thought it was real (laughs) Um, yeah i I, I didn't i didn't i didn't really indicate that it was a joke so (laughs) (laughs) some
0: people are that's
1: i just yeah it was was one of those ones where i i think i was going to do one at some point or i had done one before (sighs) of me. With uh, jujitsu yeah. gi and having my uniform underneath that, right? But uh, it's not as easy to to do the camera angles for that one, right. or like rash guard and boy shorts underneath. But uh,
0: right. Well, to be fair, you make w- working out in your uniform look so easy and comfortable. People probably just assume, oh, he must be able to wear a gi under his uniform. People don't realize <laughs> how uncomfortable these uniforms are. Uh, I wear, I have the outer vest and stuff, so it's a little bit, a little bit more. Yeah. I can, I can appreciate you freaking wearing the the duty belt on your hips, all that gear on your hips. Is that because you guys don't you guys don't have outer vests, or is it a choice for you guys and you just choose to do well, most that? Most
1: people most people have it. Most people do use it, especially uh, the newer newer people coming in. Uh, I just I never switched just because I was so used to having it set up this way. Yeah. I just I just kept doing it. Yeah. Um, and luckily like i said in that thing i didn't have any i don't have any major issues of back back problems so
0: yeah lucky that's nice
1: <laughs> I mean, yeah well if i did then yeah that will be that will be a simple simple switch right. for me but uh so far so good and well, i don't know good. until they until my belt gets too full i guess i could keep keep doing what i'm doing well, and, and
0: they do just keep adding more gear to it don't they it's uh yeah it's kind of People don't realize it's like, oh yeah, we got a lot in our toolbox, but it's like we have to carry our toolbox on us at all times. So it's a, uh, it can be a little overwhelming. Uh, I was going to ask you how long, how did you get into law enforcement originally in Honolulu?
1: Um, the, the short story is I just, I fell into it, it as a profession that my pa- nobody in my family had any experience in, so uh, it was one that I could I could do that didn't have any comparable relative to.
2: Okay,
1: and a lot of other working professions they're already paths on by my uncles and aunties or cousins and, and I have a pretty big family on both sides of my my mom and dad's side so that's a lot of that's a lot of cousins and a lot of different professions already people working in and I don't know it was just that combination of me just wanting to create my own pathway for something unique plus the i don't know i just for i graduated from college with a ba in psych and there's not really much you can do with a <laughs> undergrad degree
2: yeah.
1: and that I was, I was trying to think of work that would be applicable to the degree which is the ba and and, and yeah. i mean law enforcement is definitely one of them yeah so it just fell into it and My parents got uh, relief when they found out I got a job that has a good pension and good (laughs) retirement, you know, stability. And then that's how I...
0: How different is being a cop in Honolulu versus being a cop in Washington? Is it... uh, uh, I I don't
1: think it's that different. I mean, there's different, obviously, procedural things and different policies. I mean, the laws are different wording and definitions, but... It's still under the Ninth Circuit, so Ninth Circuit Court. I think any state that's under the Ninth Circuit, the case law is all the same. So from that aspect, I I felt, you know, the transition wouldn't be as difficult for me as if it was like somebody from Indiana or Florida coming to right. the West Coast. I think that would be a bigger bigger adjustment. And I just looked at it from the aspect of what are the similarities, so... Nice. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of differences, but um, at least the case law is the same, and I think that's the advantage for any. Yeah. You know, it's it's, it's a restrictive uh, case law, right? You have more restrictions, and coming from a state that also had the same case law helped.
2: Yeah.
1: So I didn't feel like it was a, especially going from patrol to patrol. So it's, it's different from if I was in a unit of some kind that didn't do patrol, and then go to patrol after that. I think that would be a bigger adjustment. Oh but, yeah. Uh, Patrol to patrol, same circuit court, same case law. It wasn't wasn't that hard for me. Yeah. But uh, I mean, I, I invested a lot of time on my own too. I
2: right. I read
1: reports on my own. I I drove around the city on my own. Yeah. Um. So I, I put in a lot of extra.
0: How time. big is uh, your department there?
1: Uh, we have about 185 sworn personnel. So. Okay. All
0: right.
1: Not not super huge. Probably. I mean, I Honolulu PD has two thousand. So. I, yeah.
0: How close it's, are you guys to like Seattle? How far away are you guys from Seattle? I should have looked that up, but I didn't. No,
1: I mean, my, no miles wise, it's very close. It's like it's it's within ten miles. If you oh, just wow. if you go straight across east to west, it's it's under ten miles. Oh wow! Did uh, you, uh, Lake Washington separates yeah it geographically east to west, but it's very close. Uh, did, did you guys so, notice a uh,
0: significant change when everything was going down up there with all the the writing and the nonsense with the Antifa?
1: Ch- yeah. Well, luckily our our community. I mean, we have a really good supportive community. Yeah, and
0: it uh, seems like it from what you post. So, like from what you post, it seems like you have a pretty good, pretty good city there. So,
1: I was just yeah, curious. I mean, I think, yeah, I feel like it is. I mean, I, I it's hard to say perception wise another place. I mean, I never worked in Seattle. I mean, I, I'm not a SPD officer i can't really have context to any other city i mean honestly because i've never worked in any other city besides here in on oahu so from those two lenses i can say that our community support is more positive than negative and yeah i mean it could be the same over there i don't know i think it's hard to tell because yeah. there's no poll or there's no it's it's it seems like there's a lot of uh, negative voice but who knows I mean, I, yeah it's, it's,
0: it's, I, that's how i am i, I was Talk to a few people from around the country and stuff and it seems like anything you see online or on tv it's it's very uh very skewed from someone that's actually there they're like uh actually it's more like this actually it's more like that you know and it can be positive and negative sometimes you see it go both ways but it's definitely interesting when you get to talk to somebody that's actually from the area because it definitely seems like it's maybe not as much as what they're blowing it up to be but uh
1: um, yeah, that, that's part of the reason why I share stuff. I mean, I in the beginning, when I started sharing on that platform, like about six years ago, it was because the national narrative was negative, mm-hmm. primarily negative, primarily negative, and my interactions were primarily positive.
2: Yeah.
1: And it was really super contrasting. So I was like, well, yeah. I don't see any other positive interactions or not very much. And I just started... Sharing with my friends so my friends can see it. And that's how I kind of started doing that. To, uh, awesome. Just to let them know that, yeah, we're doing some we're doing some great things over here and not going to make the news. But yeah. just because it's not on the news well, doesn't mean it's it not happening. It seems like you're
0: probably making <laughs> the news right now. It seems like you've gotten a pretty big following. That's awesome, man. Because uh, you're definitely right. I don't even – so I only got on Instagram because my wife was like, you need to get on Instagram to make the podcast bigger, like to get the word out about the podcast more so and talk to more people like yourself and, uh, Adam and some other people that I've been lucky enough to meet and talk with. And she's like, cause I was not a social media guy at all. <laughs> like I used to have MySpace way back when, and, uh, <laughs> yeah. I had Facebook for a little bit and I was like, yeah, I'm good. This is just, it's too much negative stuff. And so she's like, when you get on there, just only follow like exactly what you want to follow. Like don't follow friends. Don't follow any of that. Just follow positive stuff. So like the only types of people I really follow are people that are like, I follow jujitsu stuff. I follow like effective fitness. I follow, uh, you, I follow like David Goggins, Cameron Haynes, Jocko, people that are like, they're trying to make everyone better. You know what I mean? And it's just, you don't want to get on there. And of course, things sneak onto your feed that it's like, it's negative stuff. And you just, go right past it. Like that's the biggest thing I think with social media is people get hung up on this stuff that it's like, you have the control to not, to not let yourself get sucked into that. Like if it's, if it's not going to make you better or help you make someone else better, don't focus on it. Just keep moving, like keep moving along. And, uh, I just, I think it's insane how many people you see. Like you said, all they want to do is just negative stuff. It's like, what do you like, what are you doing? Like you're, I just don't understand what people are getting out of that because I definitely don't get anything out of it. Yeah, and uh, it's, it's
1: it's very interesting. Yeah. yeah, and you can use it like you said as a. I mean, it's kind of a, necess- a necessity as a platform. Uh, I use it as a portfolio, a visual portfolio, just to showcase some of the stuff we do in a centralized location. And part of the reason why I don't, I don't necessarily direct people to it, but there wasn't anything that did that. Or was that for me? Yeah. Because every I I started doing that partially because of my friends, and like I said, but the other reason was because there were we go to community uh, meetings and events, and people would ask, especially in the forum type of uh, Q and A about what we're doing for our community, what what kind of stuff are we doing, and I would explain some of the outreach and some of the ways we connect, and I'd have to do that every single meeting, you know. Yeah. And I still have to do it every meeting, but at least. Now I have a reference point. I can say, well, if you want to see some more of the stuff, yeah. It's, I, I share it on my on my platform and yeah. And just people go to it, they go to it, if they don't, it doesn't matter. But um, right. you know, in some ways that's that's kind of what the department's purpose for having platforms like that are too, or that's what right. it should be to me, is showcase what you guys do, showcase what right. we do, you know. Well, and if well, it's not if it's not doing that, then I, I mean I feel like it's a it's a missed opportunity to right. I
0: think there's to share. something to having a actual law enforcement officer in that role of deciding what oh, yeah. posted as opposed to there's a lot of agencies where they just they have like a civilian that's posting stuff for you know their agency or their department and uh, I think that can be uh, I don't know if detrimental is the right word but it can be a little like. Uh, it should have like, there's, there's been times where we've had stuff posted that you go, uh, you shouldn't have, you shouldn't have posted that picture like that. Or you shouldn't have said that like that because anyone that looks at that, that's also law enforcement is going to go, what? Like they're doing it. What? And it's like, no, no, that's not what we were doing. It's so I definitely think there should be some clarity there. Did Are you basically kind of like your guys is like, are you like your agency's main, I don't know social media person or that you don't
1: know have- no. we actually have one um and you that's a good point you brought up Ryan but i mean that can also go the other direction too right and you know there's, there's value to having the civilian lens for sure um it should definitely be collaboration though I it should just, just gonna be say, from yeah. one side uh, we have a civilian the that position was just civilianized a few years ago and and there's there's definitely value to it and the the perspective right. that I think sometimes we might forget is, is important to, to show from, but there's still definitely issues that, um, I mean, to be honest, there's just not as much access to, being a, going, to call, going to some calls. I mean, we, right. not, not necessarily case-sensitive photos or images that can be used to share stuff, but uh, a civilianized person, a the disadvantage is they're not going to be right there. Right, they're gonna have they're gonna be removed, right? Because it's because of safety and um, you know, like if if it's if somebody that is in that position is a is in law enforcement, then they can actually be. I mean, I I took photos inside the Bearcat a couple of times, you know, right. of a of a of a call where we're trying to do a call out, and I mean. Can get any closer than that? I mean, you right. can, but it's not safe to to do right. photographs when you're outside. And yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's a it's a great it's a great way to share and showcase and educate. And I think, man, it's it's hard. I think one of the biggest challenges for our profession is there is a there's a big amount of information that doesn't come from law enforcement that's available, uh, whether it's true or not, right? But there's not very much coming from the, our profession about stuff
2: right you know? and, and, and
1: and i don't think it was a necessity before like 20 years ago 30 years ago there was no necessity to have information being disseminated right uh, but now there is i mean if you don't do it it's you behind right and um i think the problem is if it's just a reactionary thing that only comes out when incidents happen critical incidents whatever it's, that's you behind you, it, it, in an ideal world it right, would be would be sharing stuff ahead of time. Like, Hey, this is what this equipment is for. This is a bear cat. This is a, you know, this is why we have it. This is what we use it for. And I, I, you know, understanding that there's still sensitivity for some people about those, uh, those pieces of equipment or even tactics or whatever, and not trying to share everything. But if we don't, I I guess my point is if we don't do it, people are going to just assume or rely on information that's available, which is, very high, likely, high likelihood to be not accurate. And, yeah. and then it's not even a surprise, right? Well, why is this person thinking this way about something that is not a correct reflection of what is actually happening or occurring? And so, well, where else is the information going to come from? Where, who else is it coming from? And if it's not right. coming from us, it's not a, I mean, you can expect that right. to, to happen.
0: And I think that, I think you, I think you really hit it on the head there with the, there's a, but the, the transparency, And the bridging the gap with the knowledge of, hey, this is what we have, this is what's going on, and how much we relate. I think what you said is probably completely correct. We need to have the collaboration between a law enforcement personnel and a civilian so you can get both sides of that and go, hey, this is the information we should give, you know, like almost like a Venn diagram, like you have this side and you have this side, you wanna get that information in the middle that, again, oh, like I had the other day, so it actually, this actually kind of leads me into one of my other questions I have for you, Uh was uh I had, do you prefer gi or no gi, which we can get into, but I was explaining to a guy at my gym the other day, he was like, he was asking me the same question, and I said, I go, well, I personally prefer no gi, because I feel it's more applicable to my job here in Florida. I go, if I lived up north, I might think differently more so because I'll tell you right now, I've been in law enforcement 12 years and I have yet to find fight someone that has their clothes on usually. Almost guaranteed if I'm going hands-on, they're missing – if not all their clothing, a good portion of their clothes. Yeah. Especially down here in Florida, it's usually like board shorts and a t-shirt is what most – guys are wearing. And I explained to the guy and I go, and most guys that are most people that are willing to fight law enforcement, they're either on drugs or they have a mental, there's something mentally going on. And in both cases, usually those people are overheating. So they take off their clothes. So they want to, they're willing to fight law enforcement because they're obviously not in the right state of mind. And he was like, wow, I never even, he goes, I never even thought of that. He goes, that makes total sense. Blah, blah, blah. He goes, cause I noticed we have quite a few cops at the, at the place that I train. And he said, he goes, I noticed that a lot of, a lot of you guys seem to prefer no gi. He goes, I didn't really get why. And I was like, yeah, I think that's probably why we just find a little more applicable. That being said, obviously training in the gi makes you a lot more aware of if someone's because you are wearing clothes, like you, you have to be able to defend if someone grabs a lapel type choke and recognize what that is. But, uh, I think that, uh, again, civilians, they might be like, I I've made jokes before. So, uh, I train at, uh, team Alves, uh, shout out to team Alves, but, uh, they, the other morning there were literally like eight Tahos parked in front of it. And, uh, it looked like we were having a squad meeting at the jujitsu place. And I go, man, I hope anyone rolling by is like, oh, either these guys are all becoming ninjas or there's a straight up brawl going on in there because, uh, yeah. it just, it looks good. I think from a, Sure. you know a standpoint of a civilian and law enforcement officer it's like oh these guys are out there getting after it trying to get better and uh i just i don't know i think that uh i think that that image like you're saying though perceived by the public i'm hoping they're taking it as oh these guys are trying to get better which you know as well as i do there's and there's plenty of numbers to show it the more competent you are with being comfortable with going hands-on, the more likely you are to reduce both injury and going to a more lethal option when not necessary, when you do have to go hands-on. So I think that that competence of being comfortable going, being able to physically control someone, it lessens your likelihood of doing something, I don't want to say stupid, because some of these people that get into these situations, they're rapidly evolving situations. You can't just expect someone to... Do something for any reason. Like there's no law enforcement out there in the world, or there shouldn't be. Uh, obviously, we've got bad apples in every group, but no one should be going into work going. I hope I get to shoot somebody today. Like there's just there's nobody doing that. It's and if they are, they're you know they are who they are. But I'm just saying, I would say the vast majority are not thinking that way. And the more competent we are as law enforcement with being able to go hands on rather than having to resort to a lethal option, it's going to make everybody safer. So I hope that. Again, the general public is seeing that the, all those Tahoes parked in front of the jujitsu gym going, Oh, okay, these guys are trying to make themselves better. They're not trying to learn to just beat people up. But uh
1: Yeah, no, yeah, there's I think uh there's a lot of good points. The yeah, the training, I mean the aside from having more intermediate force options, the when it when it if you were to define it uh, a situation as being chaotic in a close quarter situation. I think people who have training are able to understand it and comprehend it more than somebody who does not Right. Because oh, yeah. that's what, that's what the training is. It, it, it inoculates the person to what another person who doesn't train would define as chaotic. And it makes that point later in the situation for people who train. Yeah. So it's, they're, they're more under control because not only the kinesthetic awareness of the body, but because they've been in the situation before, so there's still more uh, frontal cortex involvement.
0: Yeah. And it's they're not cal- the, They're just calmer. They're not getting hyped the up. Yeah, they're not... I was, I was discussing this with someone the other day. I go, the difference between someone grabbing my wrist, who's been training jujitsu a very long time, and someone grabbing someone that has never gone... Like I, I think about a lot of these new, we have a lot of new hires. I don't know how it is out there. We have a lot of new hires that some of these guys and nothing against them. I, I appreciate they're coming out. They're trying to be law enforcement. They're, they're wanting to do good. And especially in this current climate, which is crazy, but uh, they're wanting to come out and do stuff. And they've literally never been in a real fight. You know what I mean? They've never been. Hands-on with someone before. Uh, I don't know what your the way your guys's department still works out there, but like our academy, they got rid of like boxing in the academy a long time ago. Um, the defensive tactics, I, I, I don't want to criticize, but if you're not going to go out and better yourself, the 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 what you're getting from the academy is not is subpar at best. It's not going to properly train you for what you're actually going to be dealing with, unless you're going to push the envelope and actually go on out and do some training on your own. So it just, I think someone getting grabbed with only that limited amount of training, as opposed to someone that has been training jujitsu for a long time, they get grabbed. You can tell that I'm sure you've felt it too. There's certain guys, they grab your wrist when you're training you go, oh boy, this one's, this is, I just got grabbed by a gorilla like this is a this is a full grown man that's about to do things to me you know as opposed to someone else grabbing you and you're like oh okay this is fine like it's not a big deal but uh yeah i don't uh i don't know any better way though to kind of show those people that unless they come train that's why i'm such a huge advocate like come try it out like just come try it if you don't like it Maybe there's something else. Maybe you would prefer kickboxing. Maybe you would prefer wrestling. Maybe, you know, maybe jujitsu is not the right fit for you, but you go do something. Go do something where it's some sort of martial art where you are literally having to go potentially physical contact with another human being. That way, when it happens out on the street, it's not a big surprise. It's not like overwhelming to you and you've been in some sort of context before, you know, before this situation has arised. So... I don't know. Yep.
1: Um, yeah, the familiar, familiarity is is one of the biggest reasons why people benefit from having the training. Because if you don't have that, then the context of positional control. I mean, there isn't any. It's like it's like language, right? That's a common analogy for close quarter grapple. It's not having the language to understand any context of is this a good or bad thing that's happening, and without that. There's gonna be probably panic, right? and when there's panic, like you can, you can't use your frontal lobe anymore. It's gonna go into a fight or fight, and I mean that's that that. I, I, it's it's interesting that people who everybody who trains will will be able to understand that, but you know, people who do not don't have the context of why training is actually making it less likely that you might even have to use force at all. Um, right. But that's that's a hard it's a hard sell for people who don't have that uh, background. (laughs) Not even just in law enforcement, just in general, of having because, like you said, I mean, I think most the human population is not going to get into fights, right, in their adult life, and
0: which is a good thing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's good. That's good. And then, and, and you know, the downside is people who right are have that context or have the lack of that context get into positions to make decisions about what um law enforcement can or can't do without any kind of context of well how hard is it you know and, and i think that's 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 happening right on some states and oh, yeah unfortunately but um i i think that's why it's important to like i said i mean 10 20 20 years ago there was no need to disseminate information from law enforcement to the public i mean is if there was a Critical incident, then there would be some kind of briefing about it, right? But I mean, that's not enough anymore. Well, and a, lot of, it's, it's a lot of times
0: enough. though, is more localized. Like now, everybody knows what's going on everywhere at all times because of you know sure. everything. So it's just so much more information that everybody's getting all at once, and I think that's kind of that's what made you know that's what makes a lot of these keyboard heroes and these people that want to voice their opinion. It's it, what you said earlier was spot on with the whole, hey, if we don't give out the information, somebody that doesn't have a clue at all is gonna be giving what they think is the information and people are gonna eat that up because that's the only thing they're getting. It's it's just hard to um get ahead of those people sometimes because they're so quick to just jump on it and go, this is what happened and it's like, "Whoa, whoa whoa whoa, no no no, that isn't what happened at all. And Unfortunately, a lot of times we're it's just like law enforcement in general. We're we try to be proactive, but a lot of times we're behind the curve because we're responding slash reacting to something, not not beating it before it happens. You know what I mean? We're almost always oh, yeah. reacting, not acting. So but let me ask you, so do you prefer gi or no gi? More so. That's
1: funny. That question, the way you answered it, I there's a uh, a couple of friends that asked me the same question and I answered it very similar way. Um, yeah, we, we don't have, if we're requiring the element of clothing to control somebody, that's not a good idea because the person might not have clothes. And like you said, I mean, growing up in Hawaii, it's funny you mentioned Florida because I mean, in Hawaii is the same thing. And whether you're the, under the influence or not in Hawaii, if, if somebody's trying to fight you and you're probably wearing the t-shirt and boy shorts, you can take off your shirt anyways. Like that's, mm-hmm. That's that's the first step. If oh yeah. You know somebody's trying to fight you. I would, I would take off my shirt too because it's a <laughs> it's another point of control that is not going to be there.
2: Right. And
1: um, so in that climate, it's much less. To me, it's much less applicable to to rely on a gi to transfer that to street. However, like you also said, in our context for when we're going to use jujitsu, we always going to have clothing, and if I have a jacket on, not that a person is going to do a lapel entanglement or collar choke with it yeah but i want to know what is possible not just from a a control standpoint but even from a a attack standpoint like what what ways can this clothing be used against me
2: yeah like i want
1: to know all the possibilities not and like i said it's very unlikely any of those is going to be used but it's 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 a handle that is not there when you don't have it
2: exactly
1: if you only to me like i said if for a law enforcement lens if you only train without it um when you have a jacket on that 's a you have a million other places that can be used to control you, which are not there in nogi and so from a defensive standpoint, I think it's good to feel um and like I said, i mean the likelihood of us controlling somebody with clothing is not going to be super high mm-hmm. but from uh, it's like we we always going to have it, and like heat on is a good way he 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 don't gracie um you 'll see him a lot in his if you if ever go to Torrance to train with those guys. The, their nogi class he shows up in his gi like all the time all the time and then you know while they're grappling somebody asks him like oh, okay i'll try not to grab it he goes no choke me with it like use yeah. it against me and so he always he always rolls nogi with his or not always but he, he rolls nogi with his gi on all the time <laughs> and, and that's for the you know in his in his mind he's like well they they can use this uh you can use it to handicap himself right i mean right and oh, that's yeah. one of the ways people who are like way better than most of the student body will have to they'll have to modulate their training to accommodate and try to get some kind of benefit, which that's one way to make it more a little bit more even, right? Like yeah. give the other person more handles, more points of attack oh, yeah. than you and see if you can, you know, still still decipher it. Yeah.
2: That's so a I think re-
1: that's, a, that's a you know, I try to I try to do that too. And and like for our line of work, I think it's really applicable to do. So not relying on the control of a person with clothing but recognizing what can be used to control you with yeah. your clothing.
0: Oh yeah. I've, uh, I'm more recently, probably within the last six to eight months started doing gi a lot more. Again, I, I didn't know gi like just only no gi for a very long time. Cause that was just what I enjoyed. And I, you know, I had limited training time. I looked at it as, well, I want to do what I want to do. Like I want to enjoy my training because I would say my game's a little faster. So, like, again, like you said, giving someone handles to just stop and hold me in place, it was like, well, why am I gonna let them do that? I don't wanna do that. But again, seeing the relevant or the, you know, the relevant points of, oh, well, in real life, someone could grab my handle, grab these handles, this vest, this belt that I'm wearing, these BDUs that I'm wearing. Like, obviously, they could clearly grab these in real life. I better make sure that I understand, like you said more so understanding all the defense of, oh, hey, if they grab here, it'd be good to move this way. Because like right now with the outer vest, I'll tell you right now, if someone grabs me, grabs inside that vest. Oh man, it's going to be a bad day for them. I am going to break their hand so bad because I'm going to be like, yeah, yeah, leave that there and see what happens. You know what I mean? Because understanding again that, you know, across the lapel or whatever, you know, like you said, a going some say someone does have semi understanding and goes for a collar choke of some kind and you're like okay this isn't going to go well for you because now your hands st- i'm l- I'm making your hands stuck there so again i do think it's important to train both uh i would prefer nogi obviously it's just more fun i think in my opinion but uh again that's if i'm if i had to choose between the two but uh just for pure enjoyment i enjoy the nogi a little bit more but
1: yeah how, how i long- think i mean the most important thing if we're not talking about it from a work context is do do the one that you enjoy, like you right. said. I mean, it doesn't. <laughs> and so I was, I was. When I think about jujitsu and and what some of the, the etiquette and the rules are for, or some of the, I guess, the things that, people pick sides on. It, it's if you take another activity, it almost doesn't. Like it would almost sound ridiculous. Like right. the the gi versus no gi. I mean, trying to compare that to another sport. Yeah. Or another activity. Like nobody does that for other stuff that you do for <laughs> enjoyment. Nobody says, Well, which one are you gonna do? If skating on vert or street, like who cares? Like who, right. who at well, the end of the day you're doing it for your own purposes and enjoyment, hopefully. And
0: oh yeah. And some people that's, that's, I mean, some people are rock stars in both. Like some people are huge in both. It doesn't matter. And I mean you have the same thing. It's not like uh it's not like Tony Hawk was a bad street skater. He just was very good at vert. You know what I mean? Like he, you know, kind of, kind of catapulted that into, yeah. you know, fame. And, uh, I, I saw something that someone was, uh, my buddy, he does a lot of skateboarding. See, I used to be, I used to be a roller. I used to do the rollerblading way back when, but I, I don't know. I, I think that that might've tore up my knees more than anything else. I did just, the, <laughs> just the jumps and the slamming down and jumping off stuff. But, uh, My one buddy that skateboards still, we were discussing this the other day. We were in the car together and we were driving and uh, we were talking about how I remembered when the X Games, before they were ever on ESPN, I think they were still on like ABC or whatever. And uh, I remember watching live when Tony was going for the 900. And we were just discussing a couple things. One, how cool it was that like that whole X Games era when it first came out, like nobody really knew what it was. And it was kind of just like, evolving and you had actual skaters that were like the not only the judges but the announcers and like they were trying to you know make it I imagine it was a lot like what UFC was when it first came out it was just kind of raw and like new and nobody really knew what it was but like the cool thing was is kids are never going to understand what that was like watching something live like you couldn't DVR it you couldn't uh-huh. record it like you had to just be happen to be watching it right then because like, I just remember how I thought it was so insane that like Tony's run was over and they kept letting him go just because he was so close to nailing that 900. And yeah. I mean, just everybody was going insane. And I thought it was, I thought it was great. It was just oh, such a, I was, it was just a good experience. It was like one of the few like live experiences where I can go, oh yeah, I remember that. I was there for that. I thought it was great. And uh, it would, it definitely, like you said, though, it didn't, there were so many guys that came over even on TV while that was happening. Like other guys that were competing and other things came over to watch that. They didn't care that it was a vert guy, you know, the street guys, they didn't care about that. They just could appreciate the art of it, you know? So I do think it's important to rather than get all hung up on, oh well he's a gee guy or he's an Ogi guy. It's like, no, man, we're we're all training the same art. Like it's it's just we enjoy it. This whole I've I've seen more so I don't know about if you've heard more about it with the whole I think mainly the the Gordon Ryan thing and the Daisy Fresh crew and all that stuff. They people are getting upset about the American Jiu Jitsu versus Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It's like, man, it's jujitsu. Why do we gotta why do we gotta put a label on it? Can we all just do jiu-jitsu Like people get like you said, they get hung up on the wrong aspect of it. It's like we're all just training, man. We're all just trying to have fun and enjoy it. But
1: yeah, like I've never heard that. Like that's why I said take that that concept and put it in some other activities. It sounds ridiculous.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Like, American surfing, and I mean,
0: <laughs> right?
1: It's, why? Why? Who cares? Like, just it's it's we're all doing the same thing. Right. Well, I forget if you're doing it if you're doing it because you enjoy it.
0: Yeah. Well I guess they were making a nothing else matters. My buddy sent me an article. The one of the big things about it is because jujitsu in the Olympics, they're trying to say God, I can't remember it was a Gracie and he was trying to say, No, it needs to be restricted to being Brazilian Jiu Jitsu in the Olympics. It can't be American jujitsu. And I was like, wait, what? Why don't they just call it jujitsu? Like I don't understand why like they don't have they don't have I mean, I guess they do technically have like Roman Greco wrestling versus like catch wrestling and stuff like that, but it's not it that it's just more of like just like gi and no gi. Like, why can't it just be oh, it's jujitsu? You're competing in gi or no gi. It's not that one's better than the other. They're, they're just two different things under jujitsu. I don't know why it's got to be have a name on it. I'm not really sure. I it kind of confuses me. I don't really get it, but whatever. Yeah. I mean, initially,
1: I, I, if I'm not mistaken, the initial reason for a distinction of stuff was because the 80s, early 80s, people would, that term was used to define some other specific martial art focus of uh, grappling, like small just small joint manipulation, mm. so as to distinguish it, right, and uh, make it unique. But I feel like at this point, 21st century... I mean, when you say jujitsu, everybody knows, like, oh, the grapple. Right. Not everybody. Most people think of the grapple-based martial art. Yeah. So it's kind of it's kind of reversed now.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, just because of that, it's, yeah, I, I understand both sides. I mean, it's like, well, why don't we call? It's like, if you want to pay homage to a particular country. I mean, you don't have to do that from with the name necessarily. It's like we don't. They don't you don't call it Japanese judo. I mean,
2: yeah,
1: it's like it's, that's almost like redundant. Um, yeah, a little yeah. bit different, but I don't know. I and mean, I think people get sometimes too too hung up on stuff that, to me, in the big picture, does not that important. Right. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to compete in a thing that has rules and everything then you got to distinguish stuff. I understand, but yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, I don't care what you call it. I mean, if I enjoy it, I right.
0: Well, as far as as far as I know and you correct me if I'm wrong, but Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and this, you know, what I've heard them call American Jiu-Jitsu, they're still competing in the same competition like the depending on obviously IBJJF and you know ADCC they have their different set of rules but I'm saying in general it's like you said it's submission grappling like is what it ultimately comes boils down to I'm not really sure why um like there's not like a specific set of rules for Brazilian jiu-jitsu as opposed as opposed to what everyone else calls jiu-jitsu it's the same thing so I don't know an arm is an arm bar at the end of the day I, I'm not really sure why they're getting so technical about it yeah. how long have you uh, been doing jiu-jitsu
1: uh this is uh year 12 for me on and off nice nice so have you have been, you been
0: uh having Have you are you like me you had some breaks in there a couple couple like yeah i
1: mean in the beginning yeah. uh like three three four month break um i mean i don't train like uh, uh i train a few times a week and i don't think i ever train more than four four times a week on it. yeah yeah, I mean, I think that's for just longevity. Right. I've been lucky to not have any major injuries. Oh, any injuries or surgeries that I've got that was was from other stuff like basketball right. or skateboarding.
0: Yeah. Do you think you've and, done more wear and tear on your body from skating or from jiu
1: Well, I think for me personally, it definitely is skateboarding. Um, <laughs> because I, I feel like in jiu-jitsu now I have the understanding for the body awareness to to not – I guess, to know when to yield and know when to give up positions. Right. And it's kind of hard to, I mean, skateboarding, you can kind of do it to some extent, but slamming is still slamming. Like falling is not going to be Oh yeah. And as, as, as gentle as you want to make it. If you fall on blacktop or concrete, that's, <laughs> it's going to, it's going to injure you.
0: Oh yeah. Somehow. Somehow and, those, that cement never gets any more uh, forgiving <laughs> than it was the last time.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so but, um was, yeah, so I'll say, yeah, skateboarding for sure.
0: Yeah. How uh, would you – so I noticed it seems like you do a lot of street skating. Do you ever do any vert or any of that – any of the pool stuff or anything?
1: Yeah, we're, we're lucky. Our city has a, a really, really nice bowl that uh, – we have actually three really good skate parks. A flat – mostly flat streets, uh, outdoor skate park. We have an indoor park. Nice. About 4,000 square foot indoor park, which has – we used to have actually a nine-foot quarter pipe with vert on it. And then uh, we have a bowl – huge bowl that has mostly seven seven eight foot and a nine foot um places to drop in so i think if somebody if somebody's going to do uh, skateboarding for a extended period of time over the course of you know several years i think the impact of street skating is 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 harder to make uh longevity wise yeah and if you if you if you leave the earth and you come down hard you, it's going there's no way you can make that gentle right uh versus skating transitions and carving and it's, it's actually a really good lower body upper body workout oh yeah um without the impact which is why more i think seems like more more people that are working professionals or older who still skate from when they were kids it's not street skating. It's not yeah. they're not going down any rails or they're not <laughs> going down a bunch of stairs. I mean just you just your body will not let oh, you do yeah. that past a certain age. But I feel like if you're gonna do transitions and skate in bowls, you can do that for a really long time. So oh, yeah. I don't know. I know, we never had those growing up in on Oahu, in any any parks or, or anything for that matter, besides ditches. Yeah. But uh yeah, yeah over here they have some really good parks here. So yeah. Well, then some of the some of the parks have camps out of them. City-run skate camps nice. that uh, are organized and led by city employees that skate. So,
2: yeah,
1: I'm a city employee, and I just show up with my board. It's just, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to think of a better scenario for me to to have the interaction. The only hard part is you gotta. I mean, if you have an officer that skates, then you know you can do it. But if you don't, then it's kind of hard to create. But the other pieces, I feel like are i mean they're all in place for us to have really good connections you know with the camps like i literally just show up and yeah just bring my board out and start skating and (laughs) i don't have to create anything i just have to be there and yeah that's how it happens
0: that's awesome yeah i uh i don't know i mean i got a longboard i'll still do longboard with my i got girl like you know my three little girls or whatever and my one wanted one for Christmas this past year and we got her a little skateboard and she loves it but uh I do the longboarding thing because like you said it's just a lot less impact and I can kind of just cruise around with them while they're whether they're riding their bike or riding a scooter or whatever I'll just do that because it just it does it's nice because it's very like you said it's a good lower body workout you're using your core and stuff but my my knees man with between jujitsu and SWAT and canine, my knees and body are so beat up. I can't – I don't need to be <laughs> yeah. adding another thing where I'm jump. like you said, jumping right. down off of stuff. And that ground, man, it just – it's never forgiving, unfortunately. So yeah. I I totally get uh, where it's at. I wish – because I'm on the Gulf Coast, so we have like zero surf over here. That's like my one big thing that I wish – I wish I was somewhere where there was surf because I feel like that's, it's such a good workout. You get to be on the ocean, you get to be outside. Great workout. And, and don't get me wrong, those guys take some impact too, but it's a little less unless you're doing that big wave stuff. But, uh, sure. I'm definitely envious of some of those California guys that can go out there, hit the waves for an hour or whatever, and then go back in. It's like, man, that's a great workout. You know, you're paddling oh, yeah. out, you're surfing, you're getting to be on the water. But, uh, do you have a, uh, like favorite all time vert guy?
1: <laughs> no, I mean, all the Bones Brigade back in the day. Um, Tony Hawk was part of that.
0: Yeah,
1: yeah, there his crew with uh, who was on there. Steve Caballero, Lance Mountain, Tommy Guerrero, Mike McGill. Yeah. Um, the street uh, back, back then had a uh, was a Rodney Mullen and Mike Yeah and I mean. Oh, Christian Hosoi was another other first generation. I feel like I don't know if that was the first generation, but that was the first generation for me yeah. to watch growing up. And um, yeah, I wanted to be like all of them. Oh you yeah, know? and
0: I remember I, I remember know. like Andy McDonald and uh, Bucket oh, yeah. Classic, yeah. and uh, yeah, they that was yeah, that was kind of who I grew up with, and it was always fun to like because back then it was like you didn't have the internet, so I remember getting even as not a skateboarder like i was just i did the rollerblading thing which it was way that was way more popular in indiana than skateboarding and then when i moved down here they they hated they hated rollerbladers they called you fruit, <laughs> called you a fruit booter and all this stuff and like they were all into skateboarding cuz they all did like skimboarding and surfing and stuff like the little bit of surf that we had most of them skimboarded but uh yeah so it was very unpopular but even back then i remember i would get the skateboarding magazines and Read them cover to cover, you know, just to see these guys out there doing what they love and actually making money off of it and, like, getting, you know, getting sponsors and stuff. And that was such a, like, whoa, I can't believe, like, these guys are – they made it. You know, you look at it as, like, they did it. They got to keep doing what they love. But, yeah, I just always thought that that was – it was such a cool – it was such a cool hobby that so many people just – they had no intention of ever making money on it. They were just – they loved the sport and they did it. And some of them happened to be in the right place at the right time when it blew up and actually got something out of it. But I i always find it funny when I see stuff like online or whatever, all those guys still skate. Like that's how you know they love it. None of – I mean I think Tony Hawk's like in his 50s and he still skates. Oh, yeah.
1: No, he's – yeah,
0: and it's like God, that's that's incredible. That's that. I hope to be that guy for jujitsu. Like I hope to be able to still move around like that when I'm 50. I rolled with a. I roll the guy that gave black belt that gave me my purple belt. He's 64 years old, still moving around on the mats, and I'm like, jeez, I'm hoping to make it to 60. Let alone be able to move around on the mats, you know. And there's just something. I do think there's something to... Doing that sort of stuff, though, does keep you young in a sense.
1: Oh yeah, no no, no doubt, for sure. Yeah, hopefully the same thing. I mean, it's funny to say like nowadays, a lot of the kids who come train, I mean, the older I get, the more I can say in the population who comes to the classes, Stuff like been, a, I've been around longer than you've been alive. I've been doing, <laughs> I've been in law enforcement longer than you've been alive. <laughs> I've been doing jiu-jitsu. I mean, I can't say that in jiu-jitsu. Yet. It's maybe about ten years from now, I can say that. But yeah. um, it's crazy. It's oh, crazy yeah. to think about how how much uh, the age gap is, and you know, just being able to keep training is the is the victory. I think uh, in the extent in the long term, and. Yeah. I
0: saw a uh, I saw a thing online the other day. I forget who was saying it, but they were, he was doing like a seminar. And it was a, it was one of the Gracies, and uh, but he was talking about um, his grandfather and how he goes his. That's what's so great about jujitsu is like your perception of improvement and uh, getting better changes as you get older. Because like his thing turned into he would show up at the gym and he would t- find the biggest strongest guy and he would go get mount on me and. Then they would do a, you know, four or five minute round, and his only goal was to not get submitted. And he would just not to get submitted, and that was a win for him. He just kept the guy in control and it was like, that was his win. He wasn't trying to beat this bigger guy at all. He was just trying to because he could barely move, he would just lay down on his back and he'd go, Okay, mount me. And he'd be like, Okay, go ahead and submit me. And then he would just keep he, he would just defend the whole time and he's like I made it through the round. I, I'm, I'm still doing okay, you know? And I think having that that mindset of, hey, I don't, it, it might not be a submission or it might not be this or it might not be that, but being able to adapt and evolve and go, oh, okay, I'm at an age now where I'm not going to be, like you said, these young studs that are up and coming and, you know, they're 20, 25 years old and now all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, I've been, like you said, I've been doing jujitsu now for as long as they've been alive. And, They're, they're beasts, but it's like, you gotta, you gotta kind of tweak your concept of, oh, okay, this is what I need. And then this is what I need to do to show improvement to myself. You know, just constantly getting better every day doesn't necessarily mean you're beating everybody every day.
1: Yeah. No, that was, that was Henner. Henner. um, Okay. And I was, I was at that seminar and he always, he always had really good nuggets at the end or actually some, some point through it. And that was one of my favorites. There's actually another one that's a separate video. I probably shared it a while ago, but I'll probably repost it. But um, yeah, this idea of the expectation of what the person defines as their victory and how that definition will change as you get older. Okay. Because if it doesn't change, then I mean, you probably not gonna train, right. you'll quit. Yeah. If, if, if your expectation is, well, I got to tap people um, or I'm not doing this right, I mean, you won't be. That won't be sustainable. Right, <laughs> you, exactly. you will not be able to train anymore right. because your definition of what is the requirement for doing it proficiently or good will be not attainable. Right. And what? What's worse? Thinking that, and I mean, to me, the worst thing is not training. If that's, if, and the victory is getting on the mat. You know, uh, that's always the victory. But it becomes more the victory as a person gets older, and. I think I, I was lucky because I got that perspective really early and um, really early, but also kind of late in my starting point because I was already almost, I was 30 when I started, I think.
2: Oh, wow. No, no, 30, early
1: 30s. So much later than some people, yeah. but still earlier than other people. But I i think the advantage was being an older person is I didn't have the expectation of trying to do everything full blast 100%. And then you add on to that the uh, fact that I'm not a big person. You combine those two together. It's like there's no way you can have a person in their 30s who is not bigger, stronger than everybody else imposing their jujitsu on other people. That's not going to work, right. especially as a new person. And if that's my, you know, so from my, from the starting point, it was very uh, different lens. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why I'm still able to to, to keep training right now. You know, like I'm going it's crazy to think that I'm gonna be in my uh, late forties pretty soon, like right around the corner. And um, the expectation has to change because if it doesn't, then I don't know. You, you, many people will quit because the expectation doesn't change, and I think that's that's a bigger loss than than training and being able to change your perception of what you believe is uh, the victory. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, if it makes you feel any better, you don't look forty at all. So <laughs> that's 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 great. You just you look great, and I do think that a lot of what you do is probably why. Like I, I would imagine that a good, you know, obviously some people have better genetics than others as well. But uh, I've seen some pretty shot out twenty five year olds. But at the end of the day, a lot of these guys comes down to their fitness you know their fitness level their health like what their diet all of that stuff comes into play and uh yeah i think that uh i think that that that's a main component in like uh i think doing that stuff can change your mindset but also having the mindset can make you do that stuff you know if that makes any sense it's almost like oh yeah it's you got to have one to get the other but uh yeah uh so i i asked this of uh Adam, when we were talking the other day, and I'm curious because you train everything just like I do. I mean, you do the the skating too, so it's even one up. But uh, if you, so if from a law enforcement standpoint, if a cop has limited time, which you know we all do because most of us do shift work, we got our families, we got all our stuff. If, in your opinion, what would be the most important thing to focus on to train? If you can only pick one. Would it be fitness? Would it be your, your shooting abilities, like your tactical abilities? Or would it be self-defense, like jujitsu or kickboxing? Like if you could only pick one for whatever reason, say say you're one of those people that's really bad at time management because I have a lot of stuff going on too. I still manage to do all of those things. But if someone had to focus in on one, what do you think from a law enforcement standpoint is probably the most important?
1: well the stakes are obviously the highest theoretically when you have to use firearms right
0: Yep. um
1: so obviously that's important but i mean if you're just going like i said with the premise that you're only able to pick one which it's (laughs) i would i would almost say well you can always train a little bit of everything but if you had to only pick one and you were posed that question by without having to make a political answer of well it's all important um I mean, I'd pick the one that's the most the one the the one that is potentially gonna happen the most often or being the one that's needed the most often. And I mean in every component of what we do, there's fitness. There could be fitness. Uh sitting down in a chair, I mean, you still need to have posture and and stability. And if you don't have those things, it's worse, right? For everything you do. So you could say that, but I would still say self defense. Not just because of doing jiu-jitsu, but there's fitness component in that, right? Uh, built in, and it's it's uh, consolidated into the same activity. And then, like I said, in a perfect world, you would do also, yeah, you would do dry firing and you do everything. range time and weapon retention and everything connected to the other tools. But if you couldn't, well, I don't, I don't know, I I would almost carve out some time to to make that happen still. Um, I will still pick the self defense stuff because one, it's there's a fitness component in the self defense, and there isn't a self defense component in fitness in itself. Um, and there's nothing wrong with doing uh, body weight exercises, which actually help in doing other stuff too. But in and of itself, the the the, the burpee or whatever, it won't it won't it won't help you protect yourself. Right. And if, if I only have a half hour, I wouldn't do something that has that component in it.
2: Yeah. And
1: then there's a yeah. fitness component in that too. Uh, as I said, like majority of the time, we're not even arresting people. If you divide the amount of time in a shift into a percent, I mean, the percent of time physically arresting somebody is, is tiny, but what type of arrest is going to be the most common? I mean, it's going to be a hands-on situation. Mm-hmm. Just like the most common kind of assault is a, uh, with personal weapons. Right. For the yeah. FBI stats. I mean, that doesn't mean the other ones don't happen, but if you're going by what is the most likely, I mean, that's one way to go about addressing it. Say, well, this is, going, this is the one that's most likely going to happen, so I'm going to try to prepare for that one. Right. And Like I said, in the hypothetical world of not being able to prepare for more than just one aspect, that's what I'll pick.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great answer. I, I 100% agree because uh, I think just like we talked about earlier too, I think doing the self-defense, it's going to make you – less likely to be as quick to go to a lethal option, sometimes when it's not necessary. So hopefully doing, like you said, doing the defense, it not only makes you physically fit because you're doing physical fitness while doing the self-defense, but it's also going to hopefully keep, again, like you said, if it's a if it's a lethal day, it's a lethal day. It is what it is. You want to be competent with your firearm. But uh, if you can avoid If it's not necessary to pull it and put yourself in that situation, uh, being able to understand when it is time and when it isn't time, I think the self-defense thing can help you be more aware of when that is too. You know, you're not so quick to jump the gun, jump the gun, so to speak, excuse the pun, but like you're, you're right there ready kind of in the fight. But, uh, yeah, I think that's a great answer. Did you, it was funny. You said the burpee thing. You ever seen that meme where it's a guy like getting choked out by a triangle and it says, go ahead and try to burpee your way out of this one. And uh um, <laughs> I, I thought that was I sent that to a buddy of mine that uh huge into the CrossFit thing. And I sent that to him and he's like, whatever, you know, because I've been trying to get him to train jujitsu ever. And uh I sent him that one time and it's like it's I go, it's just so weird. You want me to do crossfit exercise like CrossFit workouts with you, which I'm happy to do most of the time. Some of that stuff is nonsense. It just screws up my shoulders even worse than they are. But uh I go. I'm more than happy to try your workouts. Why aren't you gonna come over and try some of mine, you know? And we just it's always a back and forth, but uh it's always a good time. But uh I also wanted to uh I'm sure you've seen it. I saw uh, a couple times this morning, uh it's on a bunch of the police uh pages. The uh do you see the video of that guy that came up on the overturned vehicle? And uh there was a kid inside and the mom and I guess her her head was like stuck under the sunroof or whatever, or stuck under the roof. And he actually lifted it off over, like was able to move the car enough that she could get out. And, uh, you know, again, it's one of those things where it's like, you never know what you're going to come on. That's why you have to train everything. You know what I mean? Like I, I guarantee you that guy's, that guy didn't miss leg day, you know, like he's, he's training and, uh, he sprinted up to the car and he was calm. He got the kid out. He moved the vehicle, got the other lady. That right there is like, why we train for those instances where it's like I tell I used to so I originally started in the jail and uh, I did like two and a half years in the jail before I went out to the road and uh, I used to tell people all the time I go it is so boring like most of the time you're just sitting around but I'm getting paid I'm not getting paid for the 98 percent of the time that I'm not doing anything I'm getting paid for the two percent of the time when I'm doing something that nobody else wants to do you know what I mean and that's the reality is like you said we're we as law enforcement we we go to these calls and deal with these situations that the vast majority of the time, we're not, we're not arresting people. We're not, you know, chasing down criminals. We're not like, it's nothing crazy that we're doing, but we're there for that small percentage of time where we are dealing with the the chaos. And uh, I think the best way to be prepared for all that is training everything you can as much as you can, because it's the only way you're going to be hopefully ready for that shit sandwich situation you end up in you know so
1: but yeah that's all you can do
0: yeah well craig i know you are you know working and stuff and i i really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me and uh i I can't thank you enough because uh again like i said i i got the whole instagram thing because my wife who suggested it it's really kind of put me into contact with people like yourself that, uh, just you motivate me. You, uh, you motivate a ton of people, I'm sure. And, uh, it's good to see guys out there putting out a positive mention, met message about law enforcement to where, like you said, there's just so much negative and we get to experience some of the positive coming from you. And I, I just can't thank you enough for taking the time to talk with me, man.
1: I appreciate it. Right. And I mean, we all do our part, yeah. you know, we all do our, part in some small way
0: yeah
1: to make a difference and that's my part and you know i'll keep doing it until i somebody tells me don't do it or something but uh <laughs> yeah it's a hope we can train some, you know yeah train I'm together sure. somehow someday sometime oh, yeah that would be and, great uh,
0: i'd love it i'm i'm trying to uh i'm actually getting ready i got a, a jujitsu competition in uh july that i'm getting ready for so uh trying to get uh trying to get my playing with my my uh fasting and getting my weight at the right level and stuff it's been a while since i've done a competition like that so trying to play with that but yeah i'm uh i'm excited but i'd love to if if the opportunity if you're ever in florida hit me up i will come to you it's it's a big state but i'll come and uh if i'm ever up your way or you know wherever somewhere in the middle definitely love to get together and do some training that would be great so
1: sure man same thing if you ever come on this side,
0: heck yeah i appreciate it sir well hey you have a good rest of your shift be safe and uh Hopefully, we'll talk again soon.
1: All right, man. Thank you, Ryan.
0: Thank you.